0: I'm glad that you're here, that you've joined us at one of our six locations, or perhaps you're watching online or on demand. My name is Matt, and just however you're here, we're glad that you're here. We are in part three of a series called uh, RE, and I I really think this is an incredible time to be engaged with us and listen to God's Word together. Uh, Just for sheer fact of uh, what we had planned to talk about this weekend really fits, I think, how all of us maybe are seeing things or feeling about things. And to illustrate that, have you ever just feel like life is like this? Right, do you ever just feel like your day, uh, your world, the season that we're in is just like this roller coaster of kind of ups and downs and, and lefts and rights and, you know, it's like a whirlwind and you get whiplash because of change, because of uh, one minute, man, things are looking better, the next minute things are not looking better. And, and even just like, even like for college football fans, I you know this is kind of light, I mean the whole college football landscape is changing, you know, the SEC going like 16 teams and what in the world is that? Right. I mean, that's going on. And then we've got headlines and we've got now, you know, we thought we were past uh, this Corona thing. And now we have this Delta thing. And it just feels like this is where we are in, in the world today. And now some of you, this more describes maybe not the season you're in, but it describes your mood. That, you know, one day is like a good day or a good mood and the next day is a bad day or a bad mood and and you're not sure why and you can't point to anything. And so like personally, internally, externally, we're just kind of on this roller coaster, and there's a part of that that just sort of feel is challenging to our, our, our peace, it's challenging to our hope, it's challenging to our joy, it's challenging to our outlook. And so today, as we get in part three of RE, here's what I just want to say. Our circumstances might be a roller coaster, but we do not have to be. That life can look like that roller coaster, you can feel like that that roller coaster, but we do not have to be. And and what we're going to talk about today is so important and so powerful for the Christian, for someone who's looking to become a Christian, because it's an amazing concept. But can you just imagine for a minute, if things inside you at the soul level were more anchored, settled, and certain than even your circumstances. Can you just imagine if you and I had a peace that just sort of was kind of untouchable, if we had a joy that w- was not shakable by, by what other people said, what other people do? Can you just imagine if, if we were anchored, if we were sure, if we were settled? And, and, and when you get your mind around that, it, it's kind of like, wow, that would be, that'd be incredible, that would be incredibly appealing. And that's the reword that we're moving toward today. Now, let me explain re for those of you that might have joined in late or Just want to review. We really believe that. God works in seasons and God works in moments. And I think a lot of us would say, hey, we, we need a new season, a, a reignition, a restart, a refocusing. That word re means anew and, and again. But we're not talking about a season that's determined by the weather patterns or a season that's determined by a football schedule or a sports schedule or your kids' schedule or the school calendar. We're talking about where God would do something anew, where God would do something again, where God would work inside of of us, even when outside of us looks like, feels like, seems like a roller coaster, that inside of us there's a renewal where we stand sure and we stand firm. And so that's the genesis, that's the, that's the hope of this series, and I hope and pray that it touches us where we are on this road of life. You have your Bible with me, 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to look at about four or five verses. And, and the unique thing about this is I, I want us to all appreciate something. When the the church was born after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, which 500 plus people saw and attested to, and all his closest followers either died for what they saw or were punished for what they saw, (coughs) the church was still in its infancy, and in a fragile state. And the Roman Empire didn't like them, and the, the Jewish religious folks didn't like them, and so there was persecution, and then quickly there became false teaching. And so the church was sort of externally on this roller coaster. And, and I think we don't appreciate, especially in America, where we can come in and, and worship at ease and worship with freedom, I think we don't appreciate how... how fragile it was to be a Christ follower in the first century. And so in 1 John, the church is under threat. And the threat that they're under is different deceptions and teachings that were coming into the church. And people were like, man, what do we believe and what do we look for? And so they became, to, they were tempted or persuaded or, or to get kind of uncertain. And they were persuaded or being tempted to sort of have doubts. They were persuaded or tempted to give in to deception. Uh, about Jesus and about the claims of, of the Christ. And so John writes this letter to say, hey, the church, the Christ follower doesn't have to be on a roller coaster. All around you might be, but you don't have to be. In your heart of hearts, and in your soul of souls. So let's join John as he writes and he shares. Now, what I want to say to set this up is there's going to be four challenges to do to what we're going to talk about today. Four challenges. The first one is what he's going to say is what I'll call old school, right? Uh, And what I mean by that is he's not going to say anything incredibly profound, but what he's going to teach us, I fundamentally believe, hear me, lean in and hear me. I fundamentally believe what John is going to teach us and we're going to talk about how it applies to our lives is the most important part of being a follower of Jesus. And it's nothing new so you got to go old school. Temptation-wise in culture, we think it's always new and improved is better, right? But we've got to go old school. Second challenge we face is we're going to have to redefine success. Every one of you walked in here, including me, and you have a definition of success. What does it mean to be a successful you? What does it mean to be successful based on our culture, your family of origin? What does it mean to be successful? And all of us are really wanting God to help us be successful, but what if God's scoreboard, what if God's definition of success looks different than yours. So we got to be willing to redefine success in order for this power, this principle to hold to our lives. Number three, just like the first church, we have to overcome deception. And for some of us, deception means we have to unlearn a way of looking at things. We have to unlearn the way we've learned from our parents, our family of origin, our own habits that aren't always helpful. We might have to unlearn something. And for some of us, we may have to resist something that's deceiving and will move us away from what God wants to show us. And then the fourth challenge is this, it's all by faith. In other words, we're going to have to believe before we see, or we're going to have to buy before we try, because God works through faith, and faith is not a feeling, and faith is not you know, an ooey-gooey. Faith is faith. Faith is a verb. Faith is I'm going to trust what God has said. So with that, let's jump into 1 John. We're going to pick it up reading in verse 24. Again, remember, he's riding to a church on a roller coaster, all around them and inside what was being taught. And Here's what he says. What you have heard from the beginning, that's the old school part. I'm not going to teach you. I'm not going to tell you anything new. What you have heard from the beginning is to, and here's our reword for this uh, part three, is to remain in you. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. So we need to stop and ask ourselves, okay, what is it that was taught, that was heard, that was spoken in the beginning that they are not to move away from, that they are to remain in and stay grounded in? And what he's talking about is what Christians call the gospel. And here's where we get it. And I'll I'll give you a couple of synopses of it. This comes from 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I want to make it clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preach to you, the news I preach to you. So what you heard from Paul is the gospel. And he says, you received it and you've taken your stand on it and you're being saved by it. And here's what it is. The gospel is this. I passed on to you as most important. Now I want everybody to stop. How many things in your life can be most important? Some translations say of first importance. So it's real clear when we get to what we got to do and we get to this skill that what's most important, only one thing can be most important, right? Or if your translation says first importance, only one thing can be of first importance, right? And for Paul, here's what he teaches to the church. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Caiaphas, that's Peter, then to the 12, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. So the way I would summarize it is what the church heard from the beginning is what Christ has done, what Jesus has achieved, what Jesus has accomplished, and that our faith, our foundation rests on what Christ has done, period. So our faith, our mood, the basis of our outlook does not rest on the roller coaster of what's going on around us. Our faith, our certainty, our peace, our joy, our mood, our attitude, our outlook rests on what Christ has done. That's of most importance. Another way to understand the gospel, another part of the gospel is this. This comes from Paul, 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6. He says, for what we preach is not ourselves. So we're not preaching a humanistic message, preachers, teachers, the church. We're not preaching about a personality, about a, a particular lifestyle. We're preaching Jesus Christ as Lord, who was what? Killed, buried, raised, ascended. And ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. And here's why we're doing this. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, Genesis 1, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, raised, and resurrected, and ascended and seated at the right hand of God, that Jesus displays the glory of God. That Jesus displays displays all of who God is so what you have heard from the beginning what Christ has done what you have heard from the beginning is who Christ is and Christ is the clearest display of God's infinite and immeasurable glory that's it and so he says what you have heard from the beginning what Christ has done and Christ as the clearest display of God's glory that's what you don't need to move on from that's what you stay grounded upon now, now let, me just, let me just apply this real quick, okay? Every single person, you're a Christ follower, you're not a Christ follower, we're checking out Jesus, you're, not, you're checking out church, you got invited here, you're not sure what's up or what's down, but every single person here is looking for glory. It's why you go look at a great sunset or a waterfall, or it's why you go to the beach, and when you get to the beach, you're like, wow, because there's something in you. It's why you're attracted to great artwork, a great song. It's why why you're attracted to a great athletic performance. And you'll say, oh man, he looks makes that look easy. You know, we just got done with the Olympics and you watch him, you're like, wow. You you hear someone play the piano or play a keyboard or write poetry. You're like, why, why? Your heart is wired for it. And, and what the gospel is, is an infinite and immeasurable display of glory that your heart and my heart was made to stand in awe of. So he says, what you've heard from the beginning, stay with it. So let me say this in some layman's terms, okay? Nobody graduates from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We remain in it. Nobody graduate. So remain means it stays around. It's a long-term way of looking at and doing certain things. So nobody graduates from the gospel. Here's what's challenging. Let me talk to church people, make you feel me step on your toes a minute, okay? Here's what happens to church people. Church people, especially in the Bible Belt, we, get hear, we hear things like, oh, you got saved when you were eight, and you're once saved, always saved, and everybody just walks out the door like, I'm taken care of. And we stop marveling at the gospel. We, start fo- we stop focusing at the gospel. We start coming to church and like, oh, make me feel better about myself, and speak to me about this, and speak to me about that, and scratch this itch, and oh, the pastor's not deep enough. Nobody graduates from the gospel. You graduate from what's first importance, what happens, and you move on to something that's not of first importance, and that's called idolatry, and that's why you're on a roller coaster. Nobody graduates from who Christ is and the glory of God all displayed in what Christ has done. Nobody. So that's what John's teaching this church that's been on a roller coaster. Now he turns back around and he completes his thought. And here's what he says. He goes, if what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, so what you've heard from God, this story of Jesus and his accomplishment and who that means God is for you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. You'll remain in union. You'll remain connected. You'll remain joined to them. And this is the promise that he made, he himself made to us. It's eternal life. And so notice the Bible never really defines eternal life as somewhere you go when you die. The Bible defines eternal life as who you know and who you're connected to as you're alive. And if you're connected to Christ and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because you have not moved on from what you heard in the beginning, that is your eternal life. That is what you will spend forever doing, marveling at, standing in awe of Jesus, who he is and what he's done. And that is now where you and I have to start to redefine success. Because, you know, you and I grow up. And, and we define success as what we do. It's our production, what we produce in life, right? What we're proud of, or we're trying to do something that will make other people proud of us and thus have a reputation. Man, he's got a great reputation. He or she's successful. Or we define success by our position in our team and our organization, or by uh, how many possessions we have and, and, and social media friends and followers we have. And that's how we define success in scripture. in in God's world, you know what God wants to help you do? See, a lot of us get mad at God because God hasn't helped us do these things or keep these things. Or a lot of us think God must like us because we have these things. Oh, we're blessed. No, we're favored. No, you're not. Scripture defines success as connection to God, period. And he says, look, you want to know how to be successful? You remain in him. You stick with what you have heard from the beginning. Part of my, uh, my morning, my, my time with God is I just go through Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. I've been doing it for years. And this month, as a matter of fact, as I'm preparing this message, I read this quote and it just grabbed me. And it just stuck with me. So I share it with you. The most important aspect of Christianity is not the work we do, but the relationship we maintain. Now, now, now listen, let me just tell you something. For some of you, why that's got to be one of the greatest things you've heard at least today. Maybe not ever, but at least today. Because you walked in here and you think your identity is based on the work you do. And for some of you, you have a little bit of pride because of the work you do. And there's a little bit of pressure that goes with keeping that up. And then for others of you, you came in here with more shame and guilt because of what you do or what you have done. And God has liberated both groups of people. Because it's the relationship he wants. And Jesus, remember what's the first importance, most importance? Jesus has done so we can remain connected to him forever. So redefine success. Redefine success. John continues his dialogue with this church that was on the roller coaster. He says, look, I've written you these things. He wrote him a letter. Concerning those who are trying to deceive you. So people are trying to pull you away from what is of first or most importance. People are trying to pull you away from the gospel. People are trying to pull you away from what you heard from the beginning. So this is why no one can graduate from the gospel, in part because if you graduate from the gospel, you are now drifting or being deceived down a path that will end up discouraging you and defeating you. So so he says, Look, people are trying to pull you away from what you heard in the beginning, and you can't let that happen. You can't let them take that away from you. So you got to fight, and you got to stay vigilant, and you got to be determined to cultivate, to remain in, in this relationship with God. And he continues and he unpacks and he says some cool things, some amazing things. He says, As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. Now, anointing is, is kind of supernatural revelation, illumination, impartation, where God imparts an aspect of his grace and glory upon a person. And so he's not talking about super spiritual people. He's not talking about just the pastor type people, and the elder type people. He's talking about anybody that's connected to Christ, anybody that's remaining in Christ. And, it, and so that remains in you. And he says, so you don't need anybody to teach you. Now what he means there is this. He does not mean we don't need teachers and preaching in the church. We don't need to be in small group. We don't need to keep reading our Bible. What he means is, he goes, you have been you've received the anointing that you know Jesus Christ and what he's done, Jesus Christ and his glory, that has awakened your heart. That has grabbed your heart. That has saved your soul and you know that. So you don't need anybody to teach you anything beyond Jesus. You don't need anybody to teach you that it's Jesus plus something else that will satisfy you and save you. It's just Jesus. So don't graduate from that. So instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it has been taught to you, remain in him. And there's a connection that we need to see, the teaching, the hearing, and the remaining in him and in a relationship with him. So the anointing, I would describe it this way, it's Jesus, what he's done and who he is, that we don't need any more that glory and the glory we've been looking for since we we're looking for it in a sunset or looking for it in a relationship or looking for it in creation or, or music or art, that glory ends and culminates in Christ, that what Jesus has done, we don't need to build on any other foundation. We remain in him and we remain with that. And in light of that, look what he says. So now, and he calls them kind of an endearing term, little children, remain in him, get off the roller coaster, right? So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So we're confident, we're not ashamed. Probably most of us, at some point in the last, Year or so, maybe the last few day, days of this week, have had a crisis of confidence. And that's part of the roller coaster, right? And look what he said. Look, with where God is taking history, where God wants to take us, we can have confidence. We're not on this up, down, one day's good, next day's bad. One day, you know, I think God loves me, the next day I'm not so sure. One day I'm happy, one, next day I'm not. That's over. If what? We remain in him. So let's unpack that word remain. What what does it mean? All right. The first thing it means, and it has to mean, is we are just centered on Jesus. Now that sounds kind of, you know, maybe that sounds churchy or sounds like, uh, what's he talking about? Let me unpack it. But just, just just let's hold the thought that I'm centered on Jesus. Now let me tell you what a lot of again I I hate to pick on you know spiritual people but let me talk let me let me pick on them okay so if you're like man I'm not even Christian yet hey you're off the hook on what I'm about to say okay just sit back and let me make the other half of the room squirm a second okay so like Christians will say things like this man I've got my priorities God is number one family's number two work school sport whatever is number three and and four is and fun is number four. And we just sort of rank priorities. But what happens is this. When we're engaged in like two, three, and four, we just kind of don't think about God, you know, because, man, I'm at work and I got to do what I got to do. But God's number one. But at work, I got to do what I got to do, right? But God's number one. That is not necessarily being centered on Jesus. Being on centered on Jesus is this. That as I'm doing family, as I'm doing fun, as I'm doing my education, as I'm doing my job, my church, my community, I'm centered on and looking at Christ. That everything I do is influenced by the fact that I am connected to him. So I'm not going to work to be successful. I remain connected to Christ, which is successful, and I go to work in that place and from that attitude and that perspective. So it's kind, of, it's kind of like this. I, I, I sometimes coach like young kids in football because my, my my as are my kids. And so when we go play games, and young kids are like this, right? Like they're out here playing the game. I got recreation up here. You may not be able to see it, but it's recreation. They're out here playing the game, but mom and dad are in the stands looking, yelling, taking pictures, all that kind of stuff. And and I have a hard time like getting them to focus because they're always looking back to mom and dad, looking back to mom and dad. Or if dad yells at them, and dad's voice counts matter more than coach's voice, right? Now what are they doing? They're just remaining connected to their parents, okay? So as you and I go through our li- our, all our spheres of life, our family stuff, our work stuff, our church stuff, our st- we're looking, we're remaining connected to God by, by, by who he is, what he's done, and that his glory satisfies our soul. So I'm not going out and doing fun things looking for my identity, looking for satisfaction, I've been satisfied by Christ and I go from that perspective. So that's part of what it means to be, to remain is to be centered upon Christ. Now, let me say it a negative way. Something will always be the center of our lives. You have to have it. I have to have it. Something's always going to be centered. I mean, when you say a person is self-centered, we know what that means. When you say someone is like, man, they are fully committed to their job, we sort of know what that means. When we say someone is addicted to, we know what that means. That really means something other than Jesus has become the center of, the, of our lives. And what we're learning from the God's word is anything but Jesus puts you on a roller coaster, right? So we can look at it this way, another image I'll share with you. You and I walk in here and there's a foundation to our lives. There's a foundation to our lives, all right? So if you walk in here and your foundation is built on, and I just picked some typical things, what you do and what's going on around you, that puts you and I in a vulnerable place and we're on a roller coaster. You know, how you doing? Well, it depends on what you did that day and it depends on what's going on around you that day. So if somebody was a jerk to you, you had a bad day. So if you know if things didn't go your well that day didn't go your way that day, then you're bad or you're you're in a bad mood or whatever. So you're on this roller coaster. So what John says is, hey, look. When you heard Jesus Christ preach, taught, what you heard from the beginning, you went to a different foundation. You went to a foundation built by him, and you stand on what he has done and who he is and who you are in light of what he's done and who you are in light of what he's giving you, period. And that will never change for a gazillion years. So stay on that. Don't get moved from that. And and when things don't go your way and when what's going on is kind of crazy and confusing, you grieve it, you lament it, but you're not defined by it. You're not discombobulated by it. You know, you don't have to go crazy on social media because of it. You just remain. You just remain. Because remaining is a continuous habit. Here's, the, here's, the, here's why this is so important, okay? If, if the most important thing is for us to remain connected to Christ, if the most important thing is for us to cultivate relationship with him, this can happen continually. You don't have to be in a physical church service. Church helps, preaching helps, worship music helps, small group, community, all those things, time with God, prayer, fasting, all those things help us remain. But remaining is not contingent upon that. Remaining is contingent upon what? What we, were, what we heard from the beginning and what we've been taught through the gospel. So it's a continuous habit. So you can be in the middle of a hellacious day at the office, and stay connected to Christ. You can be in the cancer ward of a hospital. And be connected to Christ. You can have your boss get on to you because you had a bad day or bad report. And remain connected to Christ. And it's all through what he shared with us and his words to us. So here's my problem. I'll confess it. Here's my problem. I'm in middle school and I'm in a great youth camp, and I learn how to have a quiet time. What we kind of call it around here, time with God. We'll even like text it to you, you know, or email it to you, or whatever. It's amazing. So I, I learned how to have a time with God. One of the greatest things, probably one of the single greatest things that helped me grow closer to Christ, okay? But I'm also a compartmentalizer. Now, you know what it means to be a compartmentalizer, right? You can go through something at 8 o'clock, divorce yourself from 8 o'clock, and then at 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock didn't happen. You're focused at 9 o'clock. There's some some good that comes with that. There's some bad that comes with that because you can bury things and hide things and ignore things and all that. So here's what's happened to me. Because, you know, so I have an early morning time with God, quiet time, you know, and and whatever time that is, and I'm done. And then by two o'clock, I forget about it. I forget about Jesus. I look nothing like Christ. My hope is gone. My peace is gone. My joy is gone. Why? Because I did it at one, you know, I did it at 5 a.m. and it's, and I've ran out of steam by 2 p.m. and I don't even look like Jesus anymore. But when we understand that remaining is a continuous habit, it's not checking the box. Oh, I prayed today. Check. Oh, I went to church this what, this week. Check. Oh, I, I fasted. You know, oh, wow. You know, I, I actually read a couple of verses of scripture. Check, check. No, remaining is a continuous habit. You can do it anywhere. And I'll give you in my illustration. Okay. So um, <clears throat> I... I uh, I was raised by, uh, by, by great parents and they had, a, and they instilled in me and my brother, just this you know, tremendous respect. You were always to just respect authority. Didn't matter if the teacher said it, the teacher was right every time. It was, and it was yes ma'am and no ma'am, policemen, coaches, teachers, everything. So that was how we were raised. Mom and dad, disrespect was just not tolerated, disobedience not tolerated, all that kind of stuff. So then I joined the Navy right? Which reinforced that. So, it, so over my upbringing, I, I had a continuous habit of just, I just, by nature, by training, by equipping, man, I defaulted to remembering my parents. Hey, you say, yes, sir. You say, yes, ma'am. You respect authority. So I'm home on leave from the Navy and I'm out at my dad's farm and uh, I'm, dr- I'm going to drive his truck home and it had just rained. And he had one of those four-wheel drive trucks. And, you know, we had to get out and turn the wheels. Some of you remember that, right? And you had to turn the wheels to lock the wheels to go to four-wheel drive. And then when you go wanted to go to rear-wheel regular drive, you had to take it off. So I took it out of four-wheel drive inside the truck, but I forgot to unlock the hubcap, you know, the wheels on the front. So it's raining, right? So I'm coming and I'm, I am literally, you know, Mr. Military, high and tight, I'm ready to go, right? Coming, coming around this curve and, the wheel, and it's wet and I've put the brakes on and the wheels lock and I slide into the other lane and another car is coming in that lane and it swerves off into a gravel embankment. I regain control, come to a stop, look back, they're okay and then there's a state patrolman right in front of me, okay? So he goes up and checks on the car, and he tells me this. He goes up and checks on the car, and they're okay. So I see he's coming to my front, to, to my car, I happened to look in my seat, and we had been shooting guns, right? There's a gun in my front seat, right? I'm like, this is not going to go well. And I'm, like, going to get kicked out of the Naval Academy and everything that I've worked for. So, I, you know, I, 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 was, I, I covered the gun up, okay? Don't tell him I said that, okay? But I did. So I covered this gun, and, I, and as he's walking up, I'm like, man, this is going to go bad. But I remembered your parents, mom and dad, you say yes, sir, to that policeman and you look him in the eye and you give him respect. That's all I knew to do. So he comes up and he says, you okay? I said, yes, sir. Looked him in the eye. He said, you were driving too fast for conditions. Yes, sir, I know I was. You're driving on the wrong side of the road. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, and, and he didn't see it was in the front seat, so we'll leave that off, right? And, uh, And and he said, what's your story? I said, well, sir, I'm home. I'm in the Navy. I'm, I'm home on leave. And, you know, I was just out at my dad's farm. He said, okay. He goes, listen, most people I talk to don't show me anywhere near the level of respect that you've done. Go home. Thank you for serving our country. Now, that's a silly story, right? But you go through things like that in life. And in the moment, what if you remembered what God has done from the beginning? In the moment, what if you remembered that you are who God says you are? What if in the moment you remembered that this life of a hundred years ain't the full story and that there's an eternity of glory? What if you remembered that Jesus died for you, that Jesus loves you, that Jesus works for you, that Jesus prays for you? What if you remembered those things? You would remain in him and there would be no roller coaster in your soul and in your mind and you would be standing on what Christ has done and who Christ is. So I just close with a question. Which one of those is you right now? Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are and what you've done. God, my preaching cannot make clear who you are and what you've done. Your spirit has to anoint. Your spirit has to illuminate. So Holy Spirit, would you help all of us put our eyes on who you are and what you've done? Holy Spirit, would you help all of us to recall what you said from the beginning? was of most importance. Christ, crucified, buried, raised, ascended, seated, reigning, and ruling. Christ, the clearest display of the infinite, immeasurable glory of God. And God, may we remain. May we remain may we remain. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen.